0: listening to the lif podcast with pat good morning good afternoon and good evening and welcome back to the lif podcast with pat i'm your host patrick richard and uh today's episode should be interesting um i decided to uh go Facebook live and try to interact with, you know, the people that either know me or they're following me or that are even listening to the podcast and give them an opportunity to ask me questions um, and get my take on certain questions, you know, within the sports world and just different things. And um, also, you know, I'll talk about the last dance documentary that's going on. It's kind of shaking up the world in the sports world right now. Um, and then, you know, towards the end, you know, I'll give my top five NBA players of all time, just my opinion. For my top five NBA players of all time. So uh first things first, um for me right now, and I mean a bunch of people. You know, everybody's missing sports. And uh like I said, the the game of basketball to me is the, the most beautiful game in the world. So, you know, us missing sports right now, we just we're just itching for some type of sports. And uh this last dance documentary that's come out, I think it's a savior. Uh it comes on every week, it comes on every Sunday and Uh, Just some things that I think about it, it's it's amazing, man. Um, It was a little bit before my time. Uh, Michael Jordan, you know, his his prime was when I was six, seven, eight years old. So, I mean, I was watching basketball, but I wasn't really knowing what the heck was really, really going on. But as I've gotten older, I'm a basketball head. So uh, I studied the game and I studied the greats, studied the great teams. And uh, with this documentary, you've seen a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, but... Hope I'm not spoiling anything for people that haven't seen, but these last two episodes did it for me. Uh, it definitely opened my eyes, and it just kind of it was a, it, it was a it was was sent chills through my body, man. Uh, it just made me want to go hoop. Every episode has made me just want to go out there and hoop, but these last two, especially you know the the seventh episode when when Jordan was just he was emotional, uh, uh, just because he loved the game so much and he played so hard and he gave so much. You know, a lot of people judge him and, you know, say he was an A-hole and uh, hey, I'm a player. and I know if I had a guy talking to me like that on my team, it would have been some problems. But I definitely understand where he was coming from with a lot of it. He was pushing them dudes, man, and just making sure that he, he knew that they had his back. Especially whenever he was going to get, you know, chippy in the playoffs, he already knew. So uh, he was just testing them guys, testing them guys. And as you can tell, I mean, this dude is a winner. Uh, all the greats had to learn by getting their butt kicked usually uh, at the beginning. And then once they figured it out, majority of them, you know, just don't look back. But the guy's just the ultimate competitor. And uh, much respect to them. And that whole documentary is, is, is definitely, you know, if, if you're a basketball head or anybody that's just interested in basketball, I suggest you watch it. There's only two episodes left, but I suggest you watch it. Um, also, you know, I got a lot of questions from a lot of you, um, and I really appreciate it. So I'll just kind of get into those. Uh, First question, someone asked, do you think if college doesn't start using sponsorships and athletes getting paid in college, would they lose out on star talent going straight overseas or to the G League? Um, To be honest, to answer that, it's already started. (laughs) I mean, uh, it's already began. I mean, you see all these, I mean, even just this year, in the 2019-2020, uh, I think, class, you got kids deciding to go to the G League. Uh, just last year, you had LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton. I know it was another kid that went out to Australia. Um, and I followed that league closely because I played there before. So, I mean, these guys are like rock stars over there. And they was getting paid to play the game they love instead of going to college. So that's just a decision that uh, I think it, it just fits for whoever makes the decision. Not every kid is going to do that. Not every kid can do that. But um, for them to make that decision at their young age and their parents, you know, to trust that process, I think it's going to work out. But I think, you know, college is going to take a real big hit. A lot of these big schools, uh, they're going to take big hits because I think college athletes should get paid. Um, I think, you know, you're using their names, you're using all this you know, advertisement, they're on billboards, they on all this stuff. And you, these universities getting money from it. So why not, you know, compensate the players, compensate these kids. People say, well, they're on scholarship, they're on scholarship. Well, I mean, scholarship is fine, but they're making so much money on these kids, these universities. I mean, they definitely deserve something in my eyes. Um, Let's see, I uh, have this next question, okay. Um, is it hard for you and your family living this type of life, changing places so often? That's actually a great question. Um of course it's difficult. Uh I have two daughters and a wife and listen, we've lived in if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to get this number wrong, we lived in 6 to 7 countries. And uh, it definitely it, it took a toll on especially my oldest kid at the beginning because we were moving from country to country. Um she was in the phase of starting to learn to talk and she would go to a little preschool here, a little preschool there, but then, you know, they're speaking English, and then they're speaking Spanish, and then they're speaking uh, Hebrew. I mean, she's, she's getting confused. Anyone would get confused, but at that young age, she had too much stuff getting thrown at her. So it definitely affected us, and that way affected her. But over the last couple of years, for me personally, I've gone to places where, you know, in New Zealand, they speak English. So it was the best decision I could have ever made for my family, um, and then this last year in Romania, we found a school that was easy, you know, for my child both of my children to get into. It was an international school, amazing school. So, um, that's definitely the positive part over the last couple of years for sure. Um, let's see this next question here. Uh, what do I think about overseas and American sports want to finish or continue seasons? Um, Okay, I can speak from my point of view and where I was located and where I was playing. I really don't think we should continue the season and try to finish it. I mean, as a competitor, of course. I feel like the team that I was on, we was in a great position to possibly win a championship. We were in first place right now with, I think, about five, six games left. So why not? But the safety of others is the most important thing. I mean, you got the whole entire world is affected by this pandemic. Um understand all of these clubs and you know even the NBA and all of these places. I mean, it's a money thing. That's all it is. It's a money thing. But for me safety is is more important than money. And you could give me all the dollars in the world, but if I go back and uh you know someone catches this virus and passes away and dies or something, God, you know, willing that doesn't happen, but it's a possibility. I just I don't understand what's the holdup with a lot of these leagues overseas. Like, I mean, some leagues are even thinking that, okay, let's do a little tournament. I mean, how does that affect guys that's coming from the United States or from these other foreign countries? They have restrictions on different places. You really think that all these players are going to come back? I mean, (laughs) that's just a question you have to pose yourself. I know it's about money, but you got to think about people's lives as well. So that's just my take on that. Uh, Let's see let's get to another one um uh, how has your love for the game changed from each level? um For me personally i just I've always loved the game um since age four, literally when my dad started me just touching the basketball. so um my level of just love for the game never changed it never changed at all. Um, has it grown? Yes. As the competition has grown, it grows even more, just being a competitor. But just that love and passion for it, you have to have that love and passion to even be able to be playing at a level even past high school, I think. Even getting on your high school team, you have to love it or have a passion, if you want to be good at it. I mean, You could be just an average player, girls and boys, but if you really love and have a passion for it, you'll be able to get the most out of it, in my eyes. Um, but for me, Love has always been the same. I give every single thing I got, every single time I'm on the floor. Does it always result in the win? No. But I know when I leave that game and I walk in my house and my kids look at me, they can be proud of me, win or loss. That's just how I feel. Uh, let's see. Go ahead and see what this next question is. Uh, what advice would I give to any upcoming athletes that are wanting to play college and then after also overseas? Um, consistency And drive uh, I know for me I could have easily given up A lot of times Not everything went my way All the way dating back to when I was in junior high uh, Going through high school never, Everything never just went my way Into college and also playing overseas um, Is it to drive? Consistency If you want to be good at something It don't even have to be basketball It can be anything Literally, it could be anything. There's no way you're gonna get better at it if you don't work at it. There's no way you're gonna get better than if you don't work at it. I mean, pertaining to basketball, you gotta get in the gym. It's not gonna be handed to you. You gotta think when you're waking up in the morning and you're going at 11 o'clock at the gym, somebody was probably at the gym at 5 in the morning. So you're behind. I know that's how I thought, especially when I first was starting out. I had a great college career. I came out, things didn't go my way. I had to start from the bottom, literally. Second level Australia. So from that point on, I'm like, "Uh, ain't nobody going to give none to me. They never gave it to me. So I think it's all about driving consistency. If you're going to get shots up, it can't just be everything. It can't just be uh, one day or two days. You understand? So That's just my view. Um, let's see. Uh, this is a, this is a pretty funny question. Somebody asked me, they said, what would be your profession if you weren't a basketball player? So, uh, (laughs) it's two things. One thing I always wanted to be was a forensic scientist. And that's so crazy because (laughs) still to this day, I I think I actually want to be one, but, um, that is, because I'm so interested in just forensics and, you know, uh, figuring out what happened in a certain case or something like that. There's just something that always interests me. My wife probably gets sick and tired of me watching the shows over and over and over, but I watch them because I love it. It's entertaining and it's interesting to me. Um, also I want to be a coach. Um, I love working with kids. That's why I have my own basketball camp that I do, um, back home in, in sunset, Louisiana. And, uh, I just love it. I love working with kids. I love to see the smile on their faces. If I could just reach one kid, that's, that's good enough for me. We could have 100 kids at the camp. We could have 50. We could have five. For me, it's if I could just reach one kid. And that, that'll definitely do it for me. So uh, being a coach, either at the high school or college level, would definitely be a, a goal of mine after I finish, uh, after I finish playing overseas and, and my professional career is over with. Definitely. Uh, let's see. We have another, some more questions. Hey, thank you for all the questions. I appreciate it. Um, uh, I was asked this question. It said, What mistakes do you see in American youth training as compared to the European training? So I've been playing overseas for eight years going into my ninth season. And, um, it's one constant thing I always saw in the youth. Um, that's the number one thing that these clubs pay attention to, is their youth. When I tell you they run at the clinics, they're constantly just drilling these kids, literally. If you notice all of these players that are coming overseas, uh, from overseas, excuse me, to the NBA or even WNBA, they're so fundamentally sound. You know why? Because they drill them all day long. From when they're little kids, 8, 5, 6. And I'm noticing in America, the curve is starting to change for us now. With, you know, some of these trainers, not all these trainers, because a lot of trainers out here, they're taking people money. And it's like a joke to me, some of the things that I'll be seeing. But a lot of, you know, trainers now in America, you see majority of American players are athletic. That's the one thing we have over European players for sure, without a doubt, is athleticism normally. So just imagine if we use what they're doing and focusing on the fundamentals completely and just mix that in with that athleticism and just, okay, some of these guys are God-gifted, like the LeBrons of the world, but just imagine if we mix that up with type of players we could possibly be. Uh, That's that's the most difference that I've seen over the years that I've been playing. Now, like I said, the gap is starting to close as far as the skill and development here in the United States, but it can always improve it could always improve. And our youth is that's our future. And not just sports. That's our future and everything in life in general. All right, let's see. Got a few more questions. Um, oh, this is a pretty good question, too. It's about me. It's um in college you weren't a shooter. How did you manage to build that skill into a strength to where now you're considered a shooter? Um, okay, so if anybody don't know. Uh, when I was in college, okay, I was a pretty good player. But my senior year, I literally shot, I think, 26% from three. Which now, if you do know me and you've been following my career and you follow me as a player now, it will would probably be a surprise. But literally, man, one of my teammates, his name, Diego Kaplan, former teammate at uh, McNeese, this dude stayed in the gym. And I'm like, man, what is wrong with this guy? Like, he's always in the gym. Like literally every single day at a moment in time, like our coaches had to literally make him stop going to the gym because we just felt like maybe he was getting tired of the game or something because he stayed in the gym. And I kept seeing it. I'm like, why is he doing the gym so much? Shooting, shooting, shooting every single day, all day. Um, and, it, you know, in the games, it showed he was a sniper. He was one of the best shooters in the country for sure. And still to this day, he's playing overseas. He's a pro. He's going, on, I think, ninth or 10th season. Lighting him up. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm always struggling shooting. I'm always struggling, you know, knocking down shots consistently. You know, my percentages weren't that great. Of course, you know, the shot selection wasn't even the best at the time either. I had to learn that. But, you know, seeing him do that, it kind of motivated me to do that stuff. And as I go back to what I said earlier, it's about consistency. It's about getting in the gym. It's about working on your weaknesses, so um, doing that definitely, you know, helped me get into what I am now, which is basically what people look at me as as a shooter. It was all about getting in the gym, getting in the lab, as they say, getting the shots up, thousands and thousands of shots up a day, literally. And that's what definitely made me turn the curve. All right. Let's see. If you all have any questions, you know, in the comments and stuff, I'll definitely be eager to answer them right now. Before I get into my last little, I guess you could say, fun, fun thing to talk about. Uh, Thank you once again for tuning in. The people that's tuning into the live and and watching, I really appreciate it. Okay, I have another question. You know, I always get asked this uh, by a lot of guys. Even girls, you know, like, man, how how do I get overseas? How do I even play pro? You know, um, and for me, it's like I always try to help as much as I possibly can to guys. Or even girls, I always try to help uh, as much as I possibly can. But um, my advice is, if you play basketball and you're a senior and you want to play overseas, first of all, focus on your season. You finish your season. At that point in time, when overseas coaches are, are scouting people, they want to know, what have you done lately? You cannot, okay, I won't say can't, because this is a possibility, but if you're sitting out one in two years of not playing basketball and have never played overseas before, that is very, very difficult to get on. I mean, <laughs> you can't just be casually hooping, casually playing. And just think, oh, yeah, I can go play overseas because well, this guy's playing. or oh, that guy's playing. I mean, it, people don't understand, man. This is like real, like for real. I mean, I know we watch NBA on TV every day, all the time, WNBA for girls. Even me, I love a WNBA game. But um, we watch those athletes and people are like, oh, man, it's so far away. These, the, these are the, the superior athletes in the world in this profession. But overseas, you would be so surprised how many guys can play in the NBA. You just don't get that break. Girls that's playing. I don't know how it is with WNBA, but girls that's playing. These girls can play. A lot of times, it's all about who you know. Just to even get an opportunity, just to even get seen. Like you know how many people wish they could have even had an NBA workout in front of an NBA executive or NBA general manager, just to get that chance is almost like 1%, maybe. It's 2% of, like, that plays in the NBA. You know how difficult that is? So when you go overseas, people think, oh, it's just so easy. But it's really not. You got guys at a high, high, high level. Very high level. So for me, it's like you definitely have to have some film of recent. It can't be two years before Because they're going to be like Well so what did you do in those those years That you didn't play That one, two years you didn't play at all Like what were you doing That's, just, that's exactly the question they're going to ask And you won't be able to give an answer And they're just going to be like Well let me move on That's just what it is I'm sorry to say but that's just the facts of it That's just what it is So make sure you're consistent If you're playing You have to just try to get out there that first year Just get your feet wet Go to some place that, you know, it might not be big money. That's a part of it. You have to start from the bottom sometimes. Trust me, I did that. Started from the bottom, literally. And I've actually played at the highest domestic league level, which is the ACB Spain. I had to work my way up. It wasn't just given to me. It definitely wasn't. So, um, let's see. I wanted to uh, definitely end... On, um, You know, a lot of people talk, I guess they could say it's barbershop talk or just, just talk in general. But man, who's the greatest players of all time? Who's the greatest players of all time in NBA history? Uh, first of all, I respect anybody that's ever played in the NBA. And all the legends and all the Hall of Famers, I respect every single one of them. Because all the greats, they've dominated an era, a certain era. So... I mean, it's not easy just to say who's the GOAT, who's the greatest of all time. Everyone has opinions, of course. But this is my top five. My, M-Y, my, okay? <laughs> this is my opinion. And I have a few honorable mentions after I say my five. But five, I got to go with Shaq. Um, the most dominant big man ever. I know for like a four or five year stretch, when he was winning those titles with the Lakers, he was the most dominant player in the world like unstoppable literally changing rules for this guy. I mean, his only thing he couldn't do was make free throw. <laughs> and when it counted, that big sucker was making him in the playoffs. So I got Shaq at five. Uh, four, I got Magic Johnson at four. Um, to me, the best point guard of all time. Um, this guy came into the NBA in his rookie year. Okay, he went to the Lakers. They had a bunch of great players. I know it. But he won an NBA championship. His first year in the NBA. 6'9 point guard. Running the show. Had him rolling. Before my time. But like I said, I'm a student of the game, so I watch all this stuff. This is like this is my opinion. Magic Johnson is four for me. Um three. I might have some of the younger generation butthurt, but it doesn't bother me. Um LeBron. I got LeBron at three. Uh this dude here is like the most, I don't even know how to explain it. We've never seen any player like him physical, you know, just specimen. He is how he just dominates the game and not just scoring the basketball. He does everything to me, the most complete player from top to bottom, probably ever. Um, definitely made me like him a little bit. Cause I never just was a fan, but I respect him for sure. Um, That year, when they came back from 3 1 against Golden State and won, they beat their 73 win team. Full respect after that, completely. So uh, I have LeBron 3 2, which is my favorite player of all time by far uh, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace to the mom of the legend. Uh, That's my second guy. Um, Just his mentality, how he carried himself on the floor, he just always wanted to kill. That's just what it was with him. Uh, and I followed him from in 96. I was six years old when he came in the league. But just even from then, he failed and failed and failed. But once he figured it out, granted, he played with the Diesel, Shaq, who was my fifth guy. Um, once he figured it out, he never turned back. He never turned back. So I got I got the bean at two, too. And then the top guy to me is Jordan. Jordan. Uh, I don't really think it's that close, to be honest. I mean, a lot of people talk about numbers. They talk about, oh, where you finish on a... where you finish on the the top 10 list on points and assists and rebounds and everything. Um, So Mike is number one for me. Um, The most dominant player to me. He started it all. He started the flashiness. I mean... (laughs) He beat so many great teams. Uh, you know, pe- people definitely uh, kind of downplay the teams that he beat. I don't understand how you can downplay these teams that he beat. Coming through the Eastern Conference was very difficult. And, of course, every time he was in the finals, to me, that's great teams. If you win 60-plus games in the West and you make it to the finals, you're a great team. I, I don't see how you're not a great team. So I got Mike won. Um, now, my honorable mentions... I got Hakeem Olajuwon coming behind. Love Hakeem. I got uh, Tim Duncan. To me, the the greatest power forward ever. I mean, you you can name a lot of guys. Of course, Larry Bird. I mean, people just don't understand how great Larry Bird was. Definitely easily top 10 to me. Uh, Like I said, this is my list. This is just how I feel about it. Um, Like I said, I got Jordan, Kobe, Bronn. Magic, and Shaq the Diesel. That's how I feel about it. So, <laughs> that's my list. And with that all being said, all I got to say now is let it fly, baby. God bless. You're listening to the LIF Podcast with Pat Pepper.